Welcome to Serviced Accommodation Secrets with me, Sally Kemba. This is the podcast where you get the on the ground experience that we're living and breathing with our serviced accommodation units. So you get to share our hacks and tips, our mistakes, so you can learn from those and thrive on our success. Hi there, guys, it's Sally here with Serviced Accommodation Secrets, the Facebook Live and the podcast. Cast. Hi there, hope you're well. So this week it's all about money, so getting paid, chargebacks, strong customer authentication and a few things like cancellations, getting payments for those or not. So what made me think about this was we had a cancellation after a last minute booking yesterday. So I just thought I'd share some of my money mindset thoughts and also money management um, practical things that you can do and the way that you can have your business set up with uh, systems and processes that mean that you um, might have things escalated to you as the SA operator or you know if there are problems that you need to resolve but generally um, your team so your admin assistants will be able to um, charge people according to the system you work out and you won't have to Um, figure out costs in a detailed way all the time so I've actually got 12 points to cover first one I'll summarize them first first one is um, if you are on um, Airbnb or other online portals booking.com then there are different ways of taking payment but if you have the option to take payment yourself then I would do that at time of booking and I'll go into that when you set up your SA units, remember the value that you bring. So um, don't be um, talked into deals that aren't win-win and, and potentially they're sort of win-lose but losing in your favour or no, not in your favour, against you. Um, third thing is your rates, so your nightly rates for your SA unit. I'm going to talk to you about those and make sure that you've got them right and for longer term bookings as well. Um, Think about cancellations and have a policy in place ahead of time so that you're not just pondering um, how to figure this out on a, you know, case-by-case basis. Uh, The next thing is things like extra services, so late checkouts, early check-ins, things like that, really valuable to plan what will happen, a meet and greet as well, have uh, fees and policies in place for those. chargebacks and we've suffered chargebacks unfortunately but hopefully um, that's a thing of the past which leads me on to SCA which is strong customer authentication which is delayed but I'll talk about that and then different ways that you can you know get paid so things like bank transfers for example um, and valuing your money and manage it effectively the universe likes that so that actually really helps you and so a few other things know what's going in and what's going out so you know how well your essays are performing you can get cash flow forecast these things will really help massively in your business and there are techniques that help with that so profit first is something that um seems really good to me and I will go into a bit of that and the final thing is really 
if you're anything like me and you've had money mindset issues, um, I tend to blame the fact that I'm an artist and therefore um, have been sold the idea that artists are supposed to be poor and starving. But I don't agree with that, but I tend to give too much away for free and haven't always valued what I give. And so if you're anything like that, then this will help you and it, it can help you to go into self-development to improve your money mindset as well um, and there are lots of really fun things you can do and get involved with to help you with that too so let's get started so if you have a listing if you have a property listed on booking.com or another online portal um, Airbnb is slightly different but what we do and what we suggest to do is to actually take payment at time of booking yourself. Hi there Raj, good to see you there. Uh, and we just find that that is beneficial because the customer's most motivated before they have a service. So same with guests coming to your SA property, they're most motivated to pay before they arrive because they want to secure the booking and they want to make sure they can actually stay there. So if they pay you afterwards, they've already stayed, haven't they? And so Airbnb do it slightly differently. So 24 hours after check-in, they um, take the payment um, from their coffers because the guest has already paid and they pay you because obviously the stay is underway. So that's fine and that works quite well. But people like um, HomeAway and Booking.com can retain payment and pay you later and I don't really like that partly because I'm a control freak probably but also it means you have a direct connection with the guest um, you can send them things like your T's and C's you can sort out deposits with them it's all a bit complicated if booking.com are taking some of the payment but not all and I think it's just nicer to have a direct communication with your guests about these things also, I guess some people might feel that actually booking.com taking the risk of a payment not being a valid or verified one if they take it rather than you. But equally, you know, a guest might dispute something about their stay and booking.com could support them. So I don't know if there's really a, a gain there personally. Um, so I would take payment upfront. If you have um, somebody who's an online travel agent um, or sorry a corporate type of agent then there will be a different arrangement depending on the agreement they have with you so we have a couple of different ones um, so for example situ pay us um, when the booking started it's supposed to be near the beginning but uh, other companies they pay 30 days after check-in now because they're corporate agents that's fine with me because they're doing the chasing, they're getting the money um, and I think that's okay. But if you have a direct booking, I would always want payment before the guests arrive or if it's a really long stay, then they might want to pay the first month and then pay monthly and that's fine but you've got to have a really cast iron agreement with them in that case because you know, if after the first month you're still waiting for payment, um, then you know you might have to go to law if they don't pay you because um, after all companies have cash flow problems and things it's not always just going to be that you know they're um you know trying to defraud you or something it might just be that they they have issues but obviously if you've got their um 
people staying with you, your guests, then you want to be recompensed for that. So um, important to have agreements in place, things like deposits, rules, terms and conditions. Hi there, Debbie. Good to see you. Uh, so make sure that you've really got that all in place ahead of time. Okay, so that's to do with your actual payments for um, stays from guests or companies who are sending them. The next thing is, the second thing is, when you're setting up your service accommodation unit, um, you're bringing a great service to the landlord, the owner of the property. And I've had quite a few people in my um, group community, um, WhatsApp group as well, saying that they're having problems with some landlords who want to have things like security fees, which I've never heard of, don't pay those. Um, deposits, fine, um, rent ahead of time potentially depends what kind of property it is you know some people refer properties a little bit uh, or quite a lot sometimes and might get three months free rent and, and no deposit to pay because that's the kind of agreement that they have they're improving the property and therefore the rent's not due but sometimes you might have a landlord who's willing to take less than market rent because they've got 100% occupancy as well so that can work really well uh, so don't feel that you're um, being done a favour. You know, you're really bringing a valuable service because you're going to manage that property, whether it's guaranteed rent or, you know, management agreement, in an amazing way. So it's going to be kept in amazing condition because it has to be. So don't feel that you're obliged to take rough deals and, you know, win lose deals that are in favour of landlords. Obviously, you're not trying to... Um, do them out of, of good revenue but it needs to be fair and I think sometimes people feel that they have to take a deal because they get desperate but actually you're locked into something that's not really fair so make sure you realize the huge value that you're bringing uh, and be prepared to walk away always be prepared to walk away uh, and then you know people know that you know what you're talking about you'll have done your due diligence hi there guys good to see you Candice um, so the next thing is you might get people who are looking to stay longer term, your guests, who want to negotiate a lower rate. And so the best thing we found is to work out a rate sheet. And also you'll have done your calculation. So we've evaluated what rates will work, what occupancy for however many guests. Model that in an evaluator in a spreadsheet, which we do. And I've been working with some of my mentees on this. And um, in fact, one of them's got a potential uh, three-month booking. So cross fingers that's going through, huh? I hope that's working out. But negotiating a rate. And if you've got 100% occupancy for, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five, six months, even a year, obviously that's really helpful. But you will have more wear and tear. Um, but you'll have lower overheads because you'll just have a regular weekly clean. So you can take these things into account. But work it out. Don't just feel bound to accept a rate because it means you're going to have 100% occupancy because you need to actually be making money you don't just want somebody in your property so it has to work both ways and again be prepared to walk away it's really important and you know deposits and things organize that in case of damages all those kinds of things work out ahead of time how that's going to work and do it early on so if you've left it just tackle it 
because you know these things can happen but make sure you've got terms and conditions agreed um, and ID and everything as well so do all that up front or if you haven't done it ahead of time before the guests arrive do it now do it early on don't just leave it and think oh I should have done that just do it anyway um but yeah that's when you have the best um best incentives from guests to um to uh, get all this information and get your payment before they're actually there so I am looking at a couple of notes here because one thing that I'm terrible at is um, things like cancellation fees, um, early check-ins and late checkouts. Luckily, we have fees and systems in place that make me behave and charge these and our VA just knows what we're supposed to charge because I tend to be um, too soft and think, oh, it's fine. But where it can really cost you money is if say a guest wants to check out late you have less time to then clean the property for the next guest and prepare for their arrival set it up how they like it and then perhaps the next guest wants to check in early so you have a limited amount of time so you might have to pay several cleaners to come and clean within an hour or two uh, i mean our cleaning team tend to clean within um, two hours anyway but if you've had a guest staying a long time it can take longer than that and an hour is the absolute minimum I would ever have and you need like three people doing it just in case make sure everything's all sorted and, you know even just the key safe is um, up to date and everything everything done welcome pack etc so these things if you don't charge for them can cost you money if they all happen at once um, that you wouldn't get back if you don't charge these fees and sometimes I think okay it's Sunday I'll let somebody check out at 11 free of charge but if it's less convenient than that and you've got an extra um, logistical thing to organize whether it's cleaning whether it's maintenance um, whether it's you know just swapping guests around a little bit upgrading them and so forth then there's a cost to all of this and so your time organizing it you should be charging for and we had a cancellation yesterday after a really last minute booking and it was really strange because um the guests booked at hoppers two signed the terms and conditions payment all went through and everything but then about three hours later um, during which time our VA had realised that the ID that had come through was from the person who was paying, not from the person who was staying. Um, we'd requested the person who's staying ID because you have to have that. That's the law. You need to know who's staying in your property and where they're from. And we never received that ever at all yesterday. And then we had a message saying, um, would you be able to waive the cancellation fee? Well, we have a 14 day cancellation fee. So if somebody cancels within that time, then they still pay the full amount, which obviously means if they've booked within 14 days, um, so same day, that's covered by that. And there was a twinge in me thinking, oh, they've only just booked, that's a shame. Um, and I'm thinking, no, because it was our last one bed apartment we had two that are fully booked for a long stay 
Um, and so nobody else could book that in that time. So I have to justify these things to myself still. I don't know why, but it's business. You know, it's not emotional. It's not personal. So if you've got all your policies laid down, then that's brilliant because you just refer to them. And if you've got somebody working for you, even better because they just refer to those and charge them and just say to the guests, right, that's fine. We can accommodate that, but it will be X amount. So that's awesome. So yeah, mindset stuff to do with money, it's bonkers. So if you have um, guests who cancel, it can cost you money because obviously nobody else could book. So make sure you have a cancellation policy and that you actively um, enforce that too. Now, obviously, if somebody has extenuating circumstances, you might say, I don't know, perhaps they're going to have a baby or something like that. I don't know, something unexpected happens, an accident, something like that then yeah, you can be flexible. People are people. Um, it's not absolutely cast in stone, but it's really good to actually have these policies and so that you don't don't have to waste time thinking, oh, what should we do this time? You know your process, it's part of your system. And um, so the other thing that we have, so I think I got to number five when I got to extra services. <laughs> I haven't been numbering them. So number six is extra guests. So we charge additionally for extra guests. And I've had some guests complain about this, but it does cost us money. So extra linen. Um, if you have families, you might have somebody who's been ill. We've had various incidents, additional linen and bedding having to be cleaned. And they, there's more wear and tear. There's more cleaning. There's more um, electricity used. Um, things like towel rails can get left on for longer. So, you know, it really chews up on the power so it's perfectly valid to charge more per guest and i know not everybody does it but what it does mean is that you have a lower entry rate for one guest in a one bed or two bed apartment but you can accommodate up to six people in a two bed so it can really increase your revenue so it's actually quite a valuable thing to do and sometimes people sneak in extra guests and most of the time it's because they didn't realize Sometimes they did realize, but they thought they'd give it a whirl. And so always follow up on people who do that. And you might have a ring cam or something. So I was talking to Tandy the other day. She's got this awesome ring cam so she knows who's come in and can check. So it might be an idea to do that for us. We haven't done it yet. But then you know for sure. Um, I mean, people might say, well, they were just visiting. But you know, you're going to have a record, aren't you, of who's come in and out and when. So, you know, if you want to charge for extra guests, then make sure you do follow through on that as well. Next thing, chargebacks. So we were really lucky for a long time and didn't have any. We have really strong uh, customer due diligence that we do. And we've touched wood, averted parties and things like that. And Possibly the thing yesterday averted something not quite right, but we don't know with our cancellation because we needed the additional idea of the person who was staying. But, you know, match addresses, make sure they're real, all those kinds of things. And so that you know that the person who's coming is who they say they are and avoid as much as possible fraudulent bookings. So our chargebacks were for fraudulent bookings um, because it was a cloned card. And as the rules currently apply, there's nothing we can do about that. The banks say it's our responsibility to check that it's a real card and a real person. And Stripe does help with that to some extent, but it didn't highlight it until um, towards the end of the week's stay of these guests in two properties. 
that um, when they went to renew, it uh, flagged up a warning, but it didn't at the time of booking, unfortunately. So we did lose those um, chargeback disputes that we had. Now, um, so just make sure you've got strong um, ID authentication in your system. So you've got a form that you can send out. People will send back their passport, photo page if they're from overseas or driving license if it's the UK. Um, and some European countries, you can accept an ID card. Um, and I wouldn't ever accept an overseas driving license because that doesn't help you at all. Um, but once two-factor authentication comes in, which I thought it was, it was due to come in on the 14th of September, this will mean that it will become the bank's responsibility for things like fraud because somebody who pays themselves using their credit card, so you could send them a digital invoice, they click on pay with card, then they will get a text or an email where they have to put in a number to authenticate it's really them. So this prevents things like people um, cloning a card and they don't have the right contact details or finding a card in the street and trying to use it, that kind of thing. So if they have to authenticate who they are, that means that um, the bank is liable and you are no longer liable as the retailer or the SA operator or the online, you know, um, for the online sales because you've authenticated that payment you've got them to do it i must stress it doesn't cover if they're just on the phone to you and they you take their details but we have discovered so you might want to check with your channel manager whether your payments are secure because we've discovered from stripe that Takeet have some that are 3d secure and some that aren't and what's happened so number eight here the um Secure customer authentication, SCA, is delayed. So there's an 18-month kind of easing in period, if you like. So if um, companies have a, an 18-month implement, implementation plan, then apparently that is fine. Um, so it means it's not really taking effect yet. And we know for a fact that one guest who we asked to sign... Um, sorry, not sign, to make payment by clicking on the pay with card icon on an invoice um, because we thought she'd have to authenticate it. She didn't um, because we didn't take payment over the phone. We said, do you mind just doing that? Um, so actually, it meant we didn't provide the customer service we could have because we could have just taken payment. And when she went to make payment, she didn't have to authenticate it. So it's not happening. So we might have to go direct to Stripe, in which case it would be um, 3D secure. So we're trying to figure out what to do with that, but just make sure with your payment portals, your merchants and your channel manager, what's actually happening because it's being eased in. Um, somebody in our community locally said that the banks are fighting shy of it, but I don't know. But certainly I looked on websites and that's what's happened. The, it's the FCA have said there can be an 18 month easing in. So and there you go. Another way around it, so number nine, is you could get people to pay by bank transfer directly into your bank. And that can be quite nice because it means you're not paying for the credit card payment, you know, the fee. Hi there, Krish. Good to see you. So there are lots of different things that you can do. But yeah, with online payments, it's a period of transition. So I would just say, you know, do, 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 do your due diligence on that. Um, so the next thing is to um, manage your money effectively.
actively. So know what's going in, know what's going out. Um, we're now, um, <laughs> I'm not, I've not always been good at this. I've been the artist with the um, sole trader business and all of the receipts in a shoebox. Don't want to be like that anymore. We've got receipt bank, we've got zero, and we've got accountants who sort things out for us. So get a system in place so that you know what's going on. And then that also helps you to figure out what's working in terms of finance in your essay business and what isn't. And, you know, it's really good to be on top of these things. And I don't know why in the early days I just was not like that. Pete's really good with spreadsheets, luckily for me. So he sorts out all these things. And within our mastermind, we'll have a really good tool actually be able to roll out for that. So that's really exciting. It can extract data. So that brings me on to number 12, which is Profit First by Mike Michalowicz, who has, there's a book called Profit First. So if you always put 1% of your revenue into a separate um, bank account, so maybe you've got a normal current account for your business, you could have a second current account. We always have had two from the beginning. So just siphoning out 1% of revenue for profit is really good. as a good practice to do. And later on, you might be able to make it more, but you won't sort of notice that so much as time goes on, just 1%. And also there's a whole um, methodology, which I've spoken about before, of having a structure of different accounts and some that you're profit will go into and your tax um, payments will go into that you won't delve into so all of this is stuff that we're still in the process of implementing but it's a whole different way of looking at business so rather than having your income your expenses and you just deduct your expenses from your income this way you have to be a lot more creative about your spending so looking at providing as good or even better service for less outgoing, you know, getting a little bit more creative. So Mike talks about if you have hardly any toothpaste left in the toothpaste tube, you're going to get really clever about how to get it out. It's more with the old metal ones, actually, probably than the um, squidgy plastic ones. But um, in the beginning, you'll squirt toothpaste all over the place. You don't care how much you use. But when there's only a tiny bit left and you haven't got any in the cupboard, you get really careful and creative about how you squeeze the last bit out on your t onto your toothbrush. And so that's his analogy. And that's what you're trying to do with the way you spend is spend effectively to give a great service, but be creative and resourceful as how you arrive at that rather than paying for the most expensive type of service, which may not always be the best. So we're looking at different things we can do in regard to that. And finally, um, so money mindset is massive. You may not have issues with it. You know, business is business. Um, you can be emotionally invested in it because it's meaningful to you. You're doing something you really care about and want to give a good service to guests. But I do get emotional about money. I do. I know I do. And so... I am working with Dylan Denitscher with his um, Mad Millionaire uh, program. And uh, so you can feel free to look that up if you want. And that's huge. And that's also, as well as being an entrepreneur, it's making money that will go to people who need it and a legacy beyond just us. But thinking globally um, in terms of people, education, water, sanitation, food, 
everything but you know you have to start somewhere so <laughs> so one other thing that I'm doing more recently that I actually didn't start on time so Katie Garner has got a 21 day abundance program and it's amazing it's Deepak Chopra and so she's doing this whatsapp group with a meditation and tasks and I did start late but it's really fabulous and I love all that kind of thing because money is a, a spiritual thing as well as practical you know it's a flow it's an energy and we can receive it we can give it and uh, it's all about really recognizing the abundance that is everywhere so I hope that's helpful uh, so really value what you're providing as an essay operator and have win-win deals I would say and have processes and systems in place for all of your financial arrangements so like your cancellations your late checkouts all of these things hi Shalina good to see you so that you know the onus is taken off the everyday it's all in place and so Hopefully the SCA uh, regulations will come in, but meanwhile, be really strong with your due diligence. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Have a great week, guys. Sharing the secrets of success.